Welcome to T-Smack, home of the T-Smack. May I take your order? Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Talking Smack, where we talk superheroes, movies, animation, comics, and so much more. I am your host, Josh Scar. I am the only smackhead here with you today, but that does not mean I am flying solo. This week, I am joined by one of the godfathers of our podcast, Brendan, from the podcast Unchefed. Brendan, how you doing? Hey, man. I, I really like the... Uh... <laughs> t-smack home with a t-smack thing that that brings me back <laughs> yeah that was uh a really good riff that beppo had done and uh it, it has become part of our regular intros i try to customize them to theme out and this one just feels fairly appropriate given our history that was our first conversation was on good burger it was yep. so much fun <laughs> Yeah, that, that still rings true in my brain every now and then, which uh, if you haven't, I'll link it in the episode description. Go back, listen to this. Is, this is like a year and a half ago now, which is insane. I know, right? Is in March of 2022. We were pretty fresh from coming back to the podcasting game. Brendan's like, hey, anyone want to do a, a guest spot? And I'm like, I would love to do a guest spot, but I don't know how to, how I would fit into your show. And you're like, oh, we're, we're, we want to talk about like, uh, you know, MasterChef, Kitchen Nightmares, whatever. And I'm like, I don't watch any of that shit. Uh, can we talk about good burger and you're like yes i was on board with that idea so hard <laughs> like just right off the bat i was like fuck yeah we're gonna do good burger oh do you do the cursing on that i might yeah it's fine okay good <laughs> yeah it, it's a fantastic episode and even matt like as grumpy as he was about having to watch good burger is just a good time because he he was having fun with it doing the cow voice and everything that was a that's like one of those uh, moments where you realize just how much fun you can have behind the scenes with the podcast. Cause like everything that went into the show was good. You know, it was like more insightful, I think, than you would think uh, an episode about good burger. Could yeah. Be. But like, trolling Matt behind the scene, like I'd call him <laughs> up and I'd be like, Hey buddy, are you watching good burger? He's like, God damn it. I don't want to watch this movie. He was so <laughs> mad about having to watch it. <laughs> uh, it was, it was such a good time though. And he, he was a good sport about it. And I apologize for my voice. I am recovering from a cold. So if I sound a little nasally at times, I think I caught it from chat tsunami. Uh, I know they had it a, a few weeks ago, but uh, I've been catching up on podcasts this week and Satsu had his. So now I think I've, I've caught it. I will endure. So um... <laughs> for you, the listener <laughs> dig down yeah, deep. So I, I, I apologize if you don't like the nasally friend Drescher voice that I'm putting on this week, but I I, I love podcasting and I'm not going to miss a week unless I'm very, very ill. Oh, you know what I can do that might help you out here? I can do like some really... No, that's awful. I'm trying to... That was actually my attempt to do a Fran Drescher impersonation, but it's like a known fact that, about that the one, in my That was more like Animal from Muppet Babies. I know. It was really bad. Like the second it started coming out, I was like, no, this is not working. But it's like, if I if I could, I would do that for you. If I could do like a Fran Drescher just to like, you know, <laughs> kind of make you look better by comparison. Mr. Sheffield. <laughs> Mr. Sheffield. <laughs> No, we love Fran, and uh, this is the first episode we've recorded since the end of the writers' strike. So, uh, congrats to the writers and the deal that they got—a three-year deal that basically gave them everything they were asking for, including safeguards against AI. So, uh, fantastic deal around there. Uh, if I had the soundboard with the applause, I would do the applause right now. Um, instead, I'll give you a golf clap, so I'm not blowing out anyone's eardrums. But Brendan and I are here to talk about Futurama season 11, as well as a few other things. 
Uh, but before we get into that, we are going to hear from our friend Antonio over at the Cult Worthy. We'll be right back. The Cult Worthy Podcast. Join me, Antonio Palacios, each week as I guide you through a never-ending sea of obscure cinema and cult-worthy gems that deserve a rediscovery. Find me on all listening platforms and at thecultworthy.com. The Cult Worthy Podcast. Join us. The busiest man in podcasting. I, lo- I love Antonio, man. That, that is such a good dude. Like, such a good dude with such an interesting perspective. Yeah, he's, he should be coming on for our Godzilla Minus One episode that we'll be doing. Uh, I think that's our first episode scheduled for December. Uh, I'm very excited for that because anytime Antonio's on the podcast, it's just a great time. Plus, we you have, guys throw uh, down. You two throw down because you're like, <laughs> you've got a good way of like bridging the gap between all of our various nerd tendencies and kind of like I always saw you as like a nexus point, you know. I'm a jack of all trades, master of none kind of guy. So I, I have many interests, but I never like solidify into one category because i'm just like oh what's this over here what's this over there my adhd just won't (laughs) let me pinpoint into one thing Uh uh-huh but we antonio and i have also uh discussed doing a two-parter where uh we'll have a couple episodes uh one on talking smack one on cult worthy where we talk about cult worthy uh cult worthy movies based on comic books or graphic novels uh so we're, we're trying to find the time to do that one too Oh, have you gone back and had a conversation with him about that? Have you watched Atlanta, the TV show Atlanta? No, I haven't. That's not, that's been on my list for forever, but it's one of those shows that I don't know that Ricky would really enjoy. So I, I have to find time to watch it on my own. Yeah, I know. I, I have like feeling. little five minute spurts and I'm not going to devote five minute spurts to a show like that. The only yeah, it takes a little bit of sitting down. It's very it can be very cerebral, but I I personally think it's one of the best shows ever made. And towards the end, one of the last episodes is it's just an interesting take on like goof the the goofy movie and like behind the scenes of the goofy movie. It's really yeah, when you get a chance to watch it, like I'm interested to hear what you have to say and like especially what you and Antonio have to say, but I'm going to stop hijacking your mic here. <laughs> it's hard when you're like friends with a guy, you're like, man, what's up? You want to talk about? Yeah. This stuff? You know, oh, so. no, I, I totally understand. Uh, speaking of Atlanta, uh, we recently did a rent free episode uh, moments in cinema and TV that live in your brain rent free. And uh, one of the people that we talked uh, that responded to us had mentioned uh, Liam Neeson's cameo in Atlanta, which yeah. I had to look it up because I was like, oh, what what was that about? And holy crap, that was not what I was expecting. It's a weird cameo. <laughs> like It's like, wow, what is what was the message of of, of all that? Like, there's got to be a message. You're like looking for the message because it, your brain can't process there not being a message behind like that kind of cameo so anyways i'm not gonna yeah say i'm not gonna spoil it because i think yeah. that's something everyone should be flabbergasted by but it, sure. it was not what i was expecting i was expecting him to just be like oh yeah i'm liam neeson i'm here to you know throw a lightsaber and not quite john wick a guy in 27 takes have a couple <laughs> special skills or that were very specific or yeah something. <laughs> is that just like a bottle of robitussin that you're drinking right now oh i wish no it's uh <laughs> not gonna name it but it's sponsored Got by it. lebron james i believe LeBron James not a sponsor but could be. <laughs> <laughs> give us give give uh, give uh, Josh a call. We're here to talk about Futurama season eleven, but I recently got into a new show that I'm just like, I really need to talk to a chef about this show because it's so weirdly engaging but like anxiety inducing all at the same time, 
And that show is FX. Speaking of FX, FX shows, The Bear. We talked about it off air because I didn't want to blindside you with a question where you're just going to be like, no, I haven't seen <laughs> what? it. And what? Like, um, um, what do I do now? This is going to be an awkward transition. Uh, so I, I do know you have watched The Bear. I'm not, I'm up, I've, I'm in episode two of season two. So I'm not fully caught up yet. But the throughout season one, it's kind of like, what is the point of the show? Like, where's the turning point of what? what is the show going to become? And I found it because it, I was looking for something funny to watch and this popped up in Hulu's comedy series. And I was like, I've, I've heard a few <laughs> people I know talk about this show. So let's it's got funny let's, moments. Oh man. When they, when they, uh, when they, what are they, uh, Vicodin the kids or. <laughs> I mean, who hasn't Vicodin a couple of kids, you know? No, Xanax. It was Xanax. Um, one of the characters had like a, a prescription bottle of Xanax that uh, they ended up throwing into some homemade ecto cooler. Which you got to admit, it's pretty cool. Like just trying to make homemade ecto cooler right oh, off yeah. the bat is like pretty cool. But pretty I think cool. that was like the one of the few moments where I laughed out loud in that show. Everything else, <laughs> I'm just like, I'm like hugging my pillow because I'm like so just immersed Stressed in anxiety. <laughs> Like, are they going to cut a finger? Like, is 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 Tina finally going to like Sid? Like, what's happening here? But uh, I'm I'm really curious as uh, someone who has worked in a kitchen and uh, someone who is going to school for work in the kitchen as well. Uh, how how do you like the bear? I I really did. I I liked it quite a bit. I think that there's a lot of you know glamorizing what it means to work in kitchens i think that there's sort of this popular narrative that sort of cherry picks the experience in a way that's you know usually not that authentic from somebody like me who's had experience in those environments uh perspective so i i enjoyed it there was one episode in the first season where they just get this deluge of tickets right off the bat and you see this like the main character, the chef, Carmi, had been forming this relationship with this guy who was getting really into pastry and was like, you know, exploring his creativity and trying to figure out his place in the kitchen. And in the middle of this moment, this guy is like coming up with like this thing that he created. And he's like trying to get his mentor, Carmi, to like do a, you know, like to give him some credit. Like he wanted some praise. He wanted some praise for doing this thing. And Carmi's like, are you fucking with me? And just yells at him and like throws it on the floor and is like, get back to work. And it was like, I think that more than any other show and even more so than any other moment in that show, it sort of typified why I decided to step away from kitchens. Because like you spend all this time working on something, you spend all this time trying to cultivate something. And then in a moment like that, the reality is just like you don't actually like none of it really matters. Like you're just there to like get get chewed up and spit out for the sake of feeding people, which is for some people, but not for others. That, that that was kind of my big takeaway. I would I would I don't know exactly how far you want to get into this this show because you know as somebody with experience in this industry, I've got a lot of like well pre- pretty big thoughts on it. But yeah, I don't want to swerve people too far. They're here for a Futurama discussion. But like there's exactly there's one there's one episode uh, fairly early on where um oh geez what's his name Joel McHale makes a cameo appearance as like his head chef lead chef at this restaurant that he was working at in New York. And he's just leaning over his shoulder saying like, you're never going to be good enough. You're never going to be great. You're never going to succeed. Why don't you just fucking quit? 
you're awful. What are you doing? Carmi's just taking, he's like, yes, chef, yes, chef, yes, chef. Uh, I'm curious as to. He needs to take another swig of uh, Robitussin, everybody. Not Robitussin, not not endorsed by Robitussin. <laughs> not a sponsor, but could not be this sponsor, week. But could be this week. Robitussin, give him a call. <laughs> Are you asking if I've ever experienced that that kind of situation? Yeah, like how authentic is that to like a, a high stress or a high? I can end tell you the name like of the the person who did that to me. His name is Josh Kleinman. He was one of David Chang's number one people, and he did that exact thing to me like over and over again for for a while. It's very very hard. Like it it very much gets inside of your personality, and it very much like leaves you afterwards with like a sense of PTSD, which is probably why I'm like the type of person that's wanting to step back at this point, because like I had those kinds of experiences. Not everybody does when they go through like kitchens, but I did like, I had that exact moment. This guy would come up and like take things that I had been working on and just ruin them. Like just throw them on the floor in front of me and be like, now you got to make it again. And I expect you to do it quickly. And it's like, well, fuck man, I did God, you know? So, but that being said, and I guess we can like, I don't know. I, I think that you'd probably want to get into Futurama, but just as like a parting thing, there's this scene in the second season that maybe you've gotten to, maybe you haven't, where this alarm is going off for the restaurant. It's like something's going on. And like everybody's like, is this not getting annoying to you? And there's like this moment of like pure placidity where Carmi's like, I don't mind it. <laughs> and that was like the I think second that's thing. One of season two, yeah. Okay, if you've seen that moment, then that's kind of like the flip side of the coin is like when there is a serious amount of stress, like after being in environments like that, when there's like a just a thing ringing in your face, like you kind of like just go into this beast mode where it's like, I don't even I don't even see it. I'm I am so conditioned to deal with this level of stress that like it's almost hard for me not to have this level of stress like i gotta find it somewhere <laughs> but then when you've got something like that it's like i don't even i don't even hear the ringing and every, while everybody else <laughs> is flipping out around you <laughs> so interesting so uh yeah i mean i i would say rec- i would recommend giving the bear a shot i think it's a good balance of tv drama and people who like cooking shows because it does do really good food porn it's true Especially if you're from the Chicagoland area, uh, to Tim and Joey at Game Club Pod, forget about it. You get the dipped Italian beefs and just all the good stuff. <laughs> it is a really good show. Is like, it's going to be different from the perspective of somebody who's been through the restaurant. Like, there's a chef named Rick Bayless who's like, "Oh, this is just like stress porn." But I don't think a lot of people that watch it like kind of see it exactly that way. Like, it is a fun show. Like, it does have its moments of like tension, but that's what stories are. Like, you want tension you want drama you want resolution you want development and i think the bears got all those things in spades all right and speaking of things in spades futurama seasons one through four that's how you segue (laughs) (laughs) things we love um seasons one through four futurama and then somehow we've gotten seven more seasons since then somehow like you I, mentioned I even... 11 earlier but like the internet calls it season eight and like i i don't that know that makes it's been... sense because the movies yeah. yeah if you count the movies um which i'm just going by hulu but yeah if you include the movies i believe that it it is season eight because the movie should be considered separate but because yeah. fox bundled it all together as one package when they sold it off the the movies are segmented into like 20 30 minute chapters that don't work as individual episodes no they really don't that was optimistic they're like just you know just do it just do it man just like whatever they're fans they'll get it you know 
Yeah, because when when Comedy Central bought the rights or the syndication rights plus the new episodes, they just marathoned Futurama nonstop. So when they showed the movies, you basically just watched it in a two hour block with ads. So yeah, or that's right. commercials, as they it. used to be called. <laughs> yeah, for you whippersnappers out there. <laughs> but after a, uh, a long hiatus of uh, it's been probably close to seven or eight years. Disney bought 20th Century Television, just converted it to 20th Television. I don't know why they got rid of the Century for whatever reason, but Branding a, no, it's 20th Century. It's 20th Century Television. They got rid of the Fox, obviously. I think eventually they're just going to try and like patent the number 20. <laughs> it's like big brands. They keep like shrinking and shrinking until they've got like the most ubiquitous image they can. So if they can just like X. get the number itself. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Apple, you know. Like now Apple isn't even a word. It's just like that little Apple symbol. Yep. Mac, iOS, whatever. Um, so Disney revived Futurama, which uh, it the revival didn't even kick off in the way you would want it to because uh, John, De- John, yeah, John DiMaggio, Joe DiMaggio was the baseball Joe DiMaggio, player. Yeah. <laughs> John DiMaggio, uh, the voice of Bender, Randy, and many other characters on the show. He wanted equal pay. I think he wanted to be uh, as highly paid as like Billy West and other uh, players on the show. And he's like, I'm not taking anything less. And, and notably, everybody else felt the same. From what I understand, right? Like they were kind of they were kind of on. his. Yeah, side if I remember, that. they were all on John's side. Like they were all happy with their contracts. And like if John's not happy with his contract, then he has every right to hold out. Mm-hmm. So um, it was originally announced that Bender would be voiced by someone new and Justin they wouldn't Roiland. That. they're like we really gotta walk <laughs> that one <laughs> was that really who they were gonna bring in no absolutely not but that would be hilarious okay. they're like just like damn it that was a that was a miscalculation on our part <laughs> well i mean it, it would have been a miscalculation anyway because people are already pissed off about the show getting revived again after the comedy central years because the comedy mm. central years were mostly disappointing mm. coming back on another revival under the disney banner just continue to not raise any hopes or stakes but if you got the whole cast back then at least there's hype about it because you would think well if they got everyone back then hopefully they're coming back for quality and not just paychecks but john dimaggio eventually did get paid i think bender's as bender as ever i i can't say that i thought bender was a weak spot in this show uh in this season you don't think that he was you think that i he was true to form, true to character, moving the, the the Bender narrative forward appropriately. That's your final take on the Bender situation? On the Bender situation, yeah. With On the uh, Billy West Fry situation, wow, did he sound old. Like, I, <laughs> I, I know it's been a while, but even that first episode, I'm like, I've seen him do the, the Twisted Tunes panels, and he sounds fine. What happened here that he just all of a sudden... Fry is starting to sound just really weary. Like the professor, Zoidberg, everyone else sounds fine, but his Fry just is missing something. Oh man, now this is this is like the moment you got to splice in like a Fry voice or something. Is that something you can do like in post? Like put a Fry voice um, here? I, should, I can find something and send it to Alex. You can put it in. Alex, if I can get it to you, put it in here. Season one. Can I ask you a question? Hulu, season 11. What? 
No, I got out of that thing like two days ago. <laughs> and then you could be like, see what I mean? Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I thought, uh, so there were a couple of really big takeaways for this season for me. Pretty initially, I felt uh, the first couple of episodes felt a little bit more like the first four seasons than... I think the the comedy central run is that how how should we break break it up like the first four seasons would be like the original run and then there's the movies and then there's the comedy central run and then this will be like the new season is that it's interesting yeah, it, you, you kind of have to have a language be, around this <laughs> yeah it would just be eras so you have the the original four seasons which would be the the fox era then you have the movie era which the dvd era the comedy central era and now the the hulu era which will be at least two 10 episode seasons uh-huh so one of the things that i noticed uh right off the bat is it seems like they're trying to be a little less evergreen than uh they historically were you know like uh taking atlantis and replacing it with the lost city of atlanta for instance like that's that's a that's pretty evergreen but like there's a lot of like there's an episode on Bitcoin. There's an episode on Amazon, you know, like it seems like they're sort of trying to steer more into like modern social commentary with this season than I think they have in the past. And I, that isn't to say that like, I'm not pointing that out to say that they failed or succeeded in either way. It was just something that I, I sort of took away from the season as a whole is that it, it, it felt, it feels more grounded in the time that it's made or that it was made than like any of the previous ones really did. I mean, you'd see a couple here and there, like the one where they had the upgrade for like the Apple product that was like put directly into your eyeball. Like, yeah, the iPhone. <laughs> yeah. The iPhone. Exactly. But I don't think that like just percentage wise, um, were there any other, like those are the two big ones. I think you, you kind of had like the weird product episode where there are toys, I I think Zap getting canceled is kind of like, you know, the Me Too movement a little bit. They had Rage Against the Vaccine, which was obviously, you know, the vaccine, the pandemic, etc. A Bitcoin episode, uh, the Amazon episode. That's, what is that? That's one, two, three, uh, four, five. Uh, and then the, the Impossible Stream, which is kind of like calling out to like, modern streaming entertainment methods that's six episodes that are really like particularly grounded in this time out of 10 you know which i think is just a higher concentration of futurama episodes with that that kind of you know mentality in mind i don't, I don't know what you think about that statement i'm kind of curious I, i'm afraid to ask too much because i see you like really trying to take <laughs> care of your voice i'm like all right let me get it let me get a, a really detailed response from you right now. <laughs> No, I, I think you kind of hit the the nail on the head where I hadn't considered what you had said where they're they're more topical uh, compared to evergreen topics, um, which I, I appreciate them trying to be a little bit more topical. Um, I think that's where satire really works well is when you sure. do when you do lock into a particular topic. But I think that's also where this season failed is I don't think they went satirical enough. Sure. I mean, they've, they've had they've always had an element of satire to them, but it's like in the past, like just I, I think the perfect character to think about this point through is Elzar. 
It's like the world wasn't like screaming for, you know, a, a, you know, the year 3000 update to uh, Emerald Lagasse. But that's what they were going to do because it's funny and everybody got it at the same time. So it's like it's a commentary on something that's happen happening that we are all kind of aware of, but we're not really paying attention to to the same degree as like you would the vaccine or Bitcoin or, uh, you know, Amazon, etc. Uh, so, like, I think that that's I don't I don't think that they fell flat or failed in turning it satire. I uh, I think that. What I actually feel is that they missed an opportunity to kind of do that uh, sort of, you know, micro commentary on like funny little things that like are just sort of happening that we're all aware of that maybe don't get as much of the spotlight that could be satirized on in like this fun, fun little way, you know, like I would love to see. Let's see what 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 would be like. Think about it this way: What would be a fun thing that would be like Emerald Lagasse that everybody's heard of that nobody's really satirizing that maybe everybody kind of likes, right? Like it's actually kind of a, I, I, yeah. I don't know if there is anything like that. I, anymore I started because... this. I realized I don't have an example. It's writing is hard. That's <laughs> <laughs> why we don't do it for a living. That's right. We just talk about it. <laughs> yeah, I I really don't know what there would be in this modern era. Would it have to be? If you're sticking in the lane of cooks, would it have to be um, what's his face from Hell's Kitchen or whatever? Gordon Ramsay yelling, yeah, Gordon Ramsay. <laughs> well, I think, Guy of it more like, I think of it more like what would it look like to sort of riff on the concept of SNL? You know, what would it look like to riff on the the concept of like Airbnb or like Uber, but not make that like the focus, just make it a part of the world build, like you know, yeah. Uh, instead of having like one blanket concept with the vaccine and again i'm just spitballing here i'm not saying they did anything wrong and i could improve it in this way but i think that it's good to sort of look at something and be like well you know like what what is it that i liked what is it what is it that i would like to see more of i think that actually helps writers if they're in a position where they're here they hear people say you know what i thought you did a good job with this this is kind of what i think that i would like to see and i don't really know how to do it that well but like if you could that would be something i'd be interested <laughs> in you know <laughs> so yeah the this season i it felt like they were trying to do a lot of modern things, but they were also still kind of keeping themselves pigeonholed in the concept of like, we, we still have to look at this through Fry's perspective that it's the year 3000, 3001, 3002, whatever. Uh But then they also skip ahead where they still say it's like in real time with reality. So it's 3023 and it's been 20 years since Kiff and Amy had their kids Mm-hmm. So like now we have to do an episode where Kiff and Amy raise their kids now that they're no longer tadpoles. Mm-hmm. And like I that's one of my least favorite episodes of the original Fox era, but it it was funny to see them come back to it where Amy's like, "Oh, I'm ready now," even though in sitcom rules Amy has not technically aged, but they're also now having this weird conversation of like Amy was a grad student mid early twenties into in 3002. And now it's 3023 and she's still an early 20 somethings grad student, (laughs) but 23 years has passed. And like we're in the, again, we're in this weird era of like overanalyzing everything. So like, it's a weird continuity concept that. 
this being in a weird era of overanalyzation is actually kind of like when you put that on top of what we were just saying about like you know doing uh commentary on bigger and smaller subjects like in an era of overanalyzation is it even possible to kind of find those things the same way that they did the first time like do you have like small like you know well-known celebrities who are still kind of like uh more niche like lucy lou was back in the day like she was a major celebrity but she was kind of niche you know and like is that a thing elzar again just going back to elzar is that a that a thing now that we're in this era like you said of like over analyzation so like do you have access to the same kind of comedy where you can like take those little things and sort of like splice them together in a new in a new world the same way or do you have to take like the big concepts because like nothing's you know you get what i'm saying like that's that's kind of a yeah and this, way to look this season this season felt really nostalgia baity in a lot of senses like coming back to kiff and amy's kids we even go back to the moon in the mamazon episode mm-hmm. where we see the the moon mascot again and that poor guy <laughs> th- yeah uh, <laughs> the yeah, uh, the the moon farmer and his three beautiful robot daughters which the crushinator <laughs> has a new voice again uh-huh I, I hate that they keep changing her voice. The, yeah, it felt the like they really movie. nailed it the first time. <laughs> no, Pa, I love him. <laughs> it's like, yeah, what? and then they, for whatever reason, they keep changing it. I'm like, but how How did you not think that was the good one? <laughs> well, maybe it was a uh, voice actor issue holding on maybe. for a better contract. I mean, that that is one thing. So it started out pretty strong, the first episode like actually really drilled into like what it means to put these episodes together. And I guess if there's like a through line that's being developed on my, my commentary is that, you know, the first episode was like, what does it look like to watch every television show that's ever been made? And then, you know, it, it becomes to the point where it's like, well, he's so just like, he's so outside of reality after seeing so much TV that we have to keep making episodes for him. <laughs> and it's just, it's kind of funny uh, to look at like, uh, production through that lens through the Futurama lens and I guess simultaneously sort of get a feel for like this underlying truth of how difficult it is just to like keep putting a show out even one that's as heavily loved and you know bankable as Futurama there's still like this insane challenge behind it so yeah that first episode I felt like it was a better comedy central era version episode i didn't love it i I didn't think it was the strongest episode they could start with but i do agree that it 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 was more of them driving home a point Mm -hmm. than it was them being like we're back baby yeah yeah i agree and that that's sort of the dichotomy that i'm looking at when i when i think about the season is on the one hand i have a lot of respect for the difficulty of it all, I have a lot of respect for the fact that I'm still getting something that I love. I'm I have a lot of respect for these characters, the journey that I've been on with them, etc. But it's also the case that like you you bring up the first episode being a little bit of a letdown. I think the last episode was a little bit of a letdown because it was, you know, okay, we get it. You're gonna do this like really sweet, high science minded. Uh, you know, telling of the Fry and Leela love story, you know, and, you know, there are parts of it that were really good. And I thought that it was a very interesting theory. Like it was, it was an interesting, not theories, theory is not the right word. It was an interesting plot device 
to have like the tiny verse and like you know to keep going down and you know try to figure out like what's real and what's not real it was fun it was done well it's hard to do a, a thing that complex in 30 minutes but i think they did it relatively successfully but at the end it was kind of like okay well this is just another like you're expected to end with this really sweet leela fry moment ah the sounds of new york <laughs> <laughs> uh, the sounds of new 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 york um <laughs> you just played like the theme song <laughs> there you go yeah but uh where was i so it and it's not like that's bad it's not it's not a bad thing like they're doing it because they've done it several times before and it's something that you know has been very successful and very enjoyable but you know you see it again and it's like it just keeps diluting itself further almost the same way as like that episode with uh jurassic bark the episode everybody if you know a futurama episode that's probably the one that you know uh was sort of flattened when they did the bender's big score where it turned out that like he actually didn't wait forever he was just like fast fossilized because bender tried to shoot fry and ended up turning him into what was his name the the lars (laughs) lars no oh yeah lars yeah, he got shot and burnt his voice, much like your voice right now. Lost all of his hair. Yeah. <laughs> you know? But yeah. like that, that really like sort of flattened the moment in the same way that I think that we're starting to flatten the whole like science forward, sentimental Lee and Lila and Fry thing. Like, you know, you expect a certain amount of like freshness from a show like this, and then getting back to why that ties into the first episode in your commentary is like, how realistic is it to just like expect it to keep being fresh and like, how upset can you be when it starts getting stale? You know? Yeah. I, speaking of the Fry and Lila thing, I was curious how they were going to work that in because so Fry has that 10 second time button in the, the last episode of the comedy central mm-hmm. run where the quote unquote series ends at this point where the professor's like, we'll go back to the very beginning mm-hmm. and we'll do it all again. Yeah. And so it's like a great episode, very good episode. Uh, Sky reference. The impression that I get is oh, nice. that <laughs> never had to knock, to on, wood. knock yeah. on wood back to good burger as well. Less than Jake. But uh, the impression that I got from that point is that Fry and Leela are going to go back to episode one, essentially, and relive their lives. And they're just kind of stuck in a loop at that point, or at the very least going back to before the point before he creates the button so finally learn in this like will they they're not in this definitive relationship but when the series comes back in the impossible stream the show goes they're they're an item they're together yeah and i was i was curious how they're going to handle it and for the most part i think they did okay but they did paint themselves into a corner because there is some agency that's lost in fry's motivation Mm -hmm. because he is now with leela yeah yeah, they, they, he's got a little bit doofier of a of a role in the show. Like when she falls in love with the Prince of Space and he's just like, well, I want you to be happy. And like he actually duels the King of Space so that the woman that he loves can marry the Prince of Space. And like it's, the whole thing was just like, what are you doing? Like that episode went hard. Like that episode went really, I, really. I really, I liked that plot, but I, like that's that's like a third of the episode and then two thirds of the episode are these stupid ads that are also like mini episodes like vignettes Uh and i was just like okay i i want to go back to this thing i'm invested in this thing (laughs) let's go back to the medieval times with the weird space walrus people and why leela's in love with the prince of the walruses (laughs) 
I love the way they just sp- explained it away as like science magic. He cast a science spell on me or whatever. <laughs> yes. But like Futurama's always done that thing. Like it, it, I, I didn't like Naturama that much. I didn't like the whatever happy time fun hour or whatever where they did like the anime version of them. And the- I like that one. I like that one because it had a, a single story that was told through different animation styles. So I like that one a lot. You like the Rashomon? The, the nature Rama was very highs and lows for me. Like the, the Samuel one was okay. The <laughs> walrus one was pretty funny. Get some, get some Robitussin. <laughs> this is what he's doing for you. His, his loving audience right now. He is, uh, he is struggling. <laughs> I'm trying, I'm trying so hard to make this I'm, work. I, I can keep talking more if you want. Like I'm not, I'm not afraid to talk a lot. <laughs> I'm uh I try to be nice. I'm like, I'm not going to talk too much on this person's show, but if you need me to fill that void, Josh, I'll do it. I'll do it for well, you. I mean, you'll, you'll get the hint when I when I pull back or something. But I, I mean, I'm trying to be involved in the conversation, too, because I do want to have this conversation. You're taking the time to be here. And of course, I love you because, you know, like I said, you're the godfather of our show. Well, One of the two happening here. <laughs> <laughs> I've, of course, I've been looking forward to this. And of course, I get sick. It's what happens. Um, I meant to make the joke earlier, but again, my throat prevented me from doing so. But like the only time I'll ever get sick is when I'm like bedridden or Justin Henson's going to be on the show and I can't make it because <laughs> Justin is like cursed to have to be on the show whenever I'm sick or like we'll have it planned out for like two or three months. Like Justin's going to be on the show tonight. And then, of course, my kid gets sick. I get sick. I, I, I can't make it home in time. It, Alex Murphy, and Justin just Murphy's have fun out without for me. You. Murphy's out for you, buddy. <laughs> it's something, but I I'll be damned if uh, if I'm not here for Brendan. Oh, stop it! And and you, <laughs> the viewers at home, uh, listeners at home, Anyways, listeners, 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 wherever you may be, wherever you may be, whoever you may be. Um, so, did you have a, a favorite episode from the season? Just out of curiosity, I I kind of like the Christmas episode. I didn't hate that one. That one was actually pretty good. I don't know why, good. but I knew that was going to be. I knew that was going to be what you said. But I also, I, I really, I found the the crypto one pretty funny too. Just because I think of all the uh, the topical ones, that's uh-huh. the one that really drove home how stupid crypto is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no way. Uh, and no I, I, I love there. <laughs> They and I, I like how they they did do the Futurama touch of like literalizing everything. It's like, oh, it's a data mine. <laughs> that's that's right. That is a I do. That is something that I appreciate that they do. I was thinking about this beforehand because I assumed it would come up. Like, sort of, it's a good talking point. Like, which episode do I think was the most successful? And I think that ultimately, if I like gunned to my head, had to pick one, I think it zap gets canceled. I was just thinking that one, too. I think that one drives the point home really well, too. I think the reason that I liked it so much is, you know, a lot of my commentary so far has been foolishly high minded because that's who I am. I'm foolishly high minded. Uh, I enjoy being that. (laughs) So, like, I'm not going to stop. But like it is it is a truth about me. The commentary on why I like this is the opposite of that. Like, it's just basically like a whole uh, society that's like you never overtly 
have it stated that they run on farts, but they're running on farts, you know, like they're just like, they got their little like gas things. It's like, it's like as it's moving through. And when Leela gets like the message on her thing, it's just, it's such a stupid little moment. But to me, it's like those little moments are what Futurama has always been about, but she looks down and she doesn't have her big ass contact in. So she can't see on her wrist thingy exactly what, what it says but it's like a message from the dupe and it says dupe and she just goes poop <laughs> like and that was like that was it there was like no substance it's just like something that we would all do we would all be like we would read a word wrong and it would be kind of funny and nobody's there to catch the moment but like when you catch somebody else in that moment you recognize it and it's hilarious and it adds like a really i think rich like realistic texture to the show whenever it's able to successfully do that and i think that it does that in those like little cheesy moments and I, I i think that for that scene alone i would say that was my favorite episode just like leela going poop <laughs> <laughs> speaking of little moments like that like the uh the rage against the vaccine episode where hermes is convinced that the the virus that they're fighting is a, a zombie virus which i <laughs> i feel like i missed the subtext on that one or I, i'm not quite sure but like that that episode was a little bit of a drag to get through other than like Hermes doing his little trials to figure out who who the head voodoo witch doctor is, which ends up being La Barbara, Bar, Bar, or was it Barbados Slim? It was La no, Barbara. it was La Barbara. Yeah, Barbados Slim just happened to have a key to her Bayou apartment. <laughs> Don't worry about that. <laughs> oh man, I'm gonna the same thing's gonna happen to me that happened to uh, Adrian Brody if I don't watch out. <laughs> <laughs> I tried doing Fran Drescher earlier. I tried doing La Barbara. I should just accept I'm not an accent guy. <laughs> it's not a skill I possess. I'm not going to do it this week just because my voice. But uh, I have a quote unquote British accent that I've been busting out whenever making fun of Joey and Tim. Uh, but it's actually <laughs> just the Wisconsin accent. Oh, hater. <laughs> that is pretty Wisconsin. <laughs> yeah. I, I, once I'm done off air, I'll tell you the story about how that originated because that's a story unto itself that everyone else has already heard. I, I, I liked the the Hermes side of that where he's trying to do something and everyone, everyone's just getting violent and stupid is mm -hmm. the, the virus. <laughs> yeah, I, I liked <laughs> that is kind of funny. It, the, just the idea that it's like a rage virus because like fry was like i'm gonna be with you and she's like i'm gonna beat you up and he's like i don't care and then, like next time you see him he's just like got black eyes <laughs> yeah and I, I feel like there's a missed opportunity with that one to to do another social media episode as well or at least like do a twitter style episode because that's all twitter is is gaslighting mm -hmm. sure sure yeah so i guess i would give a I stand by my, by my decision. Zab gets canceled, I think, is the best episode. It was kind of nice to see the parasites come back. Uh, and that that episode was interesting in some ways. Uh, we haven't really we haven't really uh, touched on that one. I think mainly because it's forgettable, which is something that I'm sort of struggling with with this season. Like I notice you asked like the first time we did a Futurama episode, I was like quoting like six seasons worth of material down to like you know like almost any episode i could come up with a quote from yeah and you I'm and becky both <laughs> yeah and i mean that's and i think that might be part of it is like i think that this season's forgettable because there's just so much 
past material to get through. And you, you start developing such a relationship with a property like this that it's almost like I say this to my wife all the time that like even before we were together, like she started kind of being uh, like transplanted into my memories into situations that she was never a part of. And I think that mm-hmm. Futurama is kind of like sort of doing that same thing where it's like affecting my memory because I know so much about a certain period of it that like when something new comes out, it has to fight doubly hard for like that space in my brain because it already occupies such a huge space, you know? And that's, that's sort of, I guess, again, getting back to the through line, part of what the writers were up against in creating a new season like this is, you know, you're dealing with something that's as bankable as Futurama with characters that are as rich and developed, et cetera. But like the downside to that is they're already taking up so much space in your brain that they're almost like competing against themselves. And uh, consequently, it becomes very difficult for me to remember a lot of what happened in some of the episodes. I know that the parasites were there. I know they were there with uh nibbler i know that nibbler was uh getting dumber and uh, like i think eventually he was just too dumb to really talk but like and there was like some glitter or something (laughs) yeah there was was there were parasites within the parasites that prevented the worms from making nibbler smarter yeah so it was like this entire like parasite ecosystem that they were talking about it's not it's it's not like it's a bad episode but you know, you put that against something like the prisoner of Binda, where they come up with like a completely new mathematical theorem to like figure out how to get everybody back in their original bodies. And you've got like all the robo Hungarian, Hungarian carnies and like, you know, it's just like, how do you, how do you like top something like that? And how do you, when you have like so many seasons with so many strong episodes like that, create something that competes with that and and i think when you say that this season fell flat i think that that's sort of what you're touching up on is that you know yeah. there's nothing bad about this season it's a great sitcom it was a lot of fun even the children of the lesser bog episode with uh you know uh, amy and kiff's kids wasn't particularly strong but like i i still liked it it's still a really good show um but at this point it's like almost competing with itself and yeah it it all still feels like futurama yeah yeah uh but again it's like kind of like fry sounds older and now the sweet fry and leela science moment is you know we've been there we've done that you know Uh, i would almost say i guess i know we're probably coming up somewhat on time for you but um I would say that I would have liked to have seen more Qbert. I would have liked to have seen more. Uh, I think that there's an opportunity to kind of keep this world alive in unique and interesting ways. And I think that if, you know, enough people were to view this, this show as something that's like, if we just keep only listening to the things that we like, if we keep only wanting the things that we like, then it's not going to develop in the way that it could, you know, but if we're like, okay, with maybe the professor moving on and, you know, Amy sort of adopting that kind of role in her own unique way, and maybe uh, is like somehow countered by Qbert in the ways that she's failing to be professory. And then, you know, sort of rewrite the dynamic a little bit by having like Fry and Leela being like boring uncle aunts that can like stop by and occasionally drop whatever it is they have to drop. Like, I think it would be cool to develop the show in that way. I think that it would actually be more productive than just kind of cranking out 
more Futurama in the manner that they did with this last season, even though it's a good show. I think that you're eventually going to dilute what was so great about the original stuff too. If you just keep throwing out stuff just to have it without ever really building on it in that way. So that's, that's my two cents. (laughs) (laughs) No, I think that's really well said. Um, I I do think they rely a little bit too much on the sitcominess of the show Mm -hmm. to go back to uh, talking about the iPhone episode. I think that's one of my least favorite episodes from the Comedy Central era, just because it ends on such a downer, among other things. Because yeah. the the one concept that they really rely on is that by the end of the episode, everything's back to normal. Yeah. And in the iPhone episode, especially, it's not like every Fry and Leela are like the only two survivors of the the iPhone pandemic, for lack of a better word, or. Uh, outbreak whatever you want to call it mm-hmm. uh, whereas with the at least the the mamazon episode the the universe or the mamazon bot uh, expands to the point where everything's like oh okay well we're just inside a giant uh alexa now it's <laughs> so, the same world they just like AOS yeah now. <laughs> now, now they just live inside a biodome essentially mm-hmm. so like I, I thought that that one it was getting into iPhone territory, but I think they realized where the iPhone episode fell flat and they were like, okay, people just want the show to end where everything's back to normal. We'll do that. And I, it works in that Futurama way, like where uh, the professor just like Eureka, I've, I've discovered the thing. And like, Oh, what is it? The thing is already the thing. We don't have to do anything. Hooray. <laughs> yeah. I, I think the I think that's that's accurate. Like and and to a degree, it's like how many different ways can you comment on, you know, the ubiquity of big business, right? Like which is kind of what both of those are at the end of the day. Like one's commenting on, you know, Apple becoming uh, uh inseparable from reality part of your life. And, you know, the other this episode is about Amazon becoming an inseparable part of the reality of your life. And that's it's just sort of like it's so high concept. It's almost like, I guess getting back to what I was saying about the smaller things, you know how it's like really interesting early on when you have like, you're a big superhero guy, obviously it's in the title of your, your podcast, but you know how it's like really interesting when like they're discovering their powers and there's like, they don't know what the upper limit is, but they're really trying to figure it out. And you know, they're kind of weak. And then you sort of just like lose a lot of narrative potential as soon as like, so as soon as Magneto got to the point where he could like lift an entire like continent out of the earth, it's like, okay, well, where do we go from there? You know, it's, soon as like you make this comment on the biggest business in the world becoming something that's like not capable of being filtered out of the reality of existence like where do we go from there it's too big it's too powerful and uh, i think that it's it's really difficult to walk that back too like you can't you can't put that toothpaste back in the tube like we want to go back to like oh they're just going to go to an amusement park on on the moon to like you know, deliver whatever, uh, whatever it was that they were delivering at this point, uh, the crate of stuffed animals for the, you know, and have like some tiny little adventure where, you know, they meet like some backwoods, like dirt farmer on the moon. Like it's, it's, that's all very tiny. It's all very tiny stuff. And every now and then you'd have like some big larger than life character that was like a remake of something that we're familiar with. Again, like Elzar, he's my favorite example. He's my go-to example for this. And it would like sort of give you this idea that this is a very, 
very fleshed out world in you know this way that's like not always on the screen in front of you but could happen at any moment elzar could pop through that door and it makes you feel like the reality of futurama is something that's existing even on you know the other side of the world where the the screen isn't focused but once you get to the point where where we're at currently where it's like you know the whole world the whole universe even is amazon it's like well that that tininess doesn't really exist anymore it's really more about trying to rein in the world than it is in discovering it which i think is just a less interesting way to do narratives like i think it's more interesting to discover than to than to rein in so yeah, I, I think that the Mama's on episode is a, a really good episode to kind of drive home what I was thinking of what I was trying to say about how like, I don't feel like they dove into the satire enough because like, your point about how Amazon is essentially uh, inseparable from our day to day lives and we're living in the Amazon bubble, essentially. Um, they do have a really quick gag essentially mm-hmm. about like the working conditions that the Amazon warehouse workers go through. And it, it, it's played off as a joke, yeah. but you could make an entire episode out of those working conditions. And I think that's where the satire needed to go, but they wanted to go somewhere yeah, a little right. more broad. Yeah, I think that you really gain something by getting kind of micro with, with a show like this. I think that's, I think that's 100% dead on and well said. Well, with that, I'm going to say, let's wrap it up because <laughs> I made a good point. So I'm going to dust off my hands. Look at you closing out like a boss. <laughs> Uh, Brendan, do you have any social medias that you want to share or just uh, direct everyone towards? I mean, you can check out on Chef if you want, but you should check out Cultworthy. You should check out Casting Views. You should check out Fuck My Work Life. You should check out Super Familiar with the Wilsons. I love all of these people. Sugar Murder. Like, I just... Decaying with the boys. Decaying with the boys. That's right. Oh, my God. I love all those people. I miss you. I miss you dearly. Trust me. I am thinking about you all frequently and uh if anybody there heard my voice and was like this guy seems cool then you can trust me that these other people seem cool and that you should go go listen to them as quickly as possible fuck my social media i don't i'm so happy to be out of that game to be completely honest (laughs) fair it's it's getting a little overwhelming as uh, you may well know yeah brennan thanks again so much for being here we'll see you in a few weeks for good burger 2 boom And thanks so much, everyone, for listening to our Massive Month uh, programs uh, where we interviewed Matt Groom, Melissa Flores, and Kyle Higgins individually. Uh, Those episodes were all really well received and really well regarded. Uh, So thanks to Matt, Melissa, Kyle for your time and everyone for listening. Thanks again to Brennan for showing up and being here, uh, talking Futurama. We were supposed to have Becky with us, but unfortunately, time management is not her friend. So <laughs> time management uh, she, who <laughs> <laughs> she's uh currently at the uh what is it the cavern on the greens uh writing us a message that we'll read 20 years in the future <laughs> nice nice reference i think you should get like little uh like a soundboard of her just being like uh-huh <laughs> or like ooh, whenever we say something <laughs> just like kind of splice her in in that way <laughs> All right. Well, you can find us at Talking Smack Pod on all social media platforms, including Blue Sky, Instagram, so, uh, Threads, Hive Social, Post News, Facebook, YouTube, TikTok, and Lonnie's website. Don't forget to email us at tsmackpod at gmail.com with any thoughts, questions, concerns, reviews for movies you've seen or you may have seen or you want us to see. Thank you to Leo Allen for our musical themes that you're hearing right now. Oh, and Leo. Beppo for Leo, yeah. <laughs> uh, but 
Beppo, thank you for our original avatars. Retrail Studios, thank you for our Ricky avatar. Please like, subscribe, rate, review the podcast on your podcatcher of choice. And again, most importantly, thanks so much for listening, everyone. Take care, and hopefully I'll hear you all next week when I have a better voice. And don't forget to watch Star Trek Lower Decks. T-Smack. I love T-Smack. Is it true? Mm-hmm. I do, I do. Ooh. Lift up the entire... Ah, uh, the sounds of New York.